G'night, folks. It's great to be able to present this to you, the very first podcast from the team at Made of Stone. As I look at the screen in front of me, I'm going to do some quick introductions. Um, the face that everybody knows, the guy that steps in for Zach Wild when he's too ill to perform, is Chris Wright. You'll know him as the man that's brought all of the bands to the first show that we saw there last summer at Moat Park. To his right, or my right on the screen at least, Chantal McGregor, one of those artists that Chris kindly brought to Made of Stone last summer as well. And over in there in the middle, Mr. Malley, Pete. He's one of those guys you've seen comparing multiple events in multiple places. And if we can briefly mention that festival that <clears throat> remains nameless, but also took place at Moat Park a few years ago. You'll have seen Pete introducing a few bands there at the time as well. I'm here to hold the reins, keep things together, and hopefully um, keep control of these three reprobates that are sitting here with me. But uh, welcome, everybody. I'm a, I'd am like to think a rock journalist ordinaire. No, hang on. Extraordinaire. No, just rock journalist. I write, I review, I take pictures. You might have seen me around. I'm the tall guy in front of you at festivals, for which I can only apologise. Anyway, let's crack on. Chris, what have we got lined up? Thank you, Adrian. Um, we, I would like, would like to look at um, the rock scene that we're all part of in various shapes and forms. Um, you know, are we are we part of of a, of a vibrant, resurgent rock scene? Um, you know, is the new wave of classic rock as, as big as we all think it is? Um, or are we just kind of same people going to the same gigs, going to the same festivals? Um, are we bringing new people into the scene? Are we bringing younger people in, are kids coming through and looking at these new wave of rock stars and thinking, yes, that's what I want to be? Um, yeah, I want to kind of like dig into that and, uh, and, and see where we are. I'd love your guys' opinions. Pete, hey, you're known for an opinion. Let's get I, the ball rolling. I, I, uh, I, I will tell you opinion, but just before I tell you opinion, I've just realised, Adrian, that you look like which one from the goodies? Tim Brooke Taylor. Tim Brooke Taylor. I just thought I'd get that out there. It's been, it's been annoying me for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> but basically, of the three goodies, I look like the dull one. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> the funny one. The funny one. The funny one. Uh, what's that the first that 80s resurgence? reference or is that a 70s reference? I'm not quite sure. That's actually it back to the 70s, isn't it's it? It's still a 90s reference, 70s reference of the night. <laughs> Although that does kind of make Chris Bill Oddy, but let's carry on. <laughs> I've been cold words, <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Is it a resurgence? Right, the, the new wave of classic rock and the resurgence, is it the same old people? You know, I do a lot of gigs, and to be honest with you, say the average crowd's just over 100, 150. It's the same people that come in, and it's it's a lovely crowd, and it's incredible, and it's like a club, really. But do we welcome new people in? Are we getting new people personally? I don't think so. I don't think there's new people coming in. I think there is new music out there, and it's brilliant new music, so... It's not, it's not an excuse. I mean, if you're looking at the, the rock scene, the metal scene, if you've got bands like The Architects, they're selling out 20,000, 30,000 people. But I don't know. I, I I think because we're in this bubble and the social media bubble and the bubble, I think sometimes we feel it's a resurgence. But if I'm honest with you, I don't think, I think we're kind of, it's more memory. Mem that's the wrong word, isn't it? Uh, it's thinking back. It's kind of, 
I've lost them. Re reminiscing. It's more, it's reminiscing. It's more reminiscing. And I think we the, the music we liked as, as kids, we kind of, you know, it's great, but I don't think any, for me personally, I don't think any, very few new people are going to come in, look at the stage, see four people drinking Jack Daniels and wearing like worn star clothing and think this is for me. That's quite a cynical way to start the show. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that if you don't mind. Um, I think it depends who you go and see. For example, my daughter is a huge fan of Greta Van Fleet. Now, when they first burst onto the scene, and I'll use the, the phrase at least once this evening, people our age, people my age certainly, will have looked at that and gone, pfft. Led Zepp tribute band and that was as far as they would look into it but then again the same people said exactly the same about Kingdom Come when they first came out and again they got global fame and fortune and changed their style several times as well but Greta Van Fleet especially I took her to the recent Wembley Arena gig because I, I covered it I photographed them they were fantastic on stage real performers put on a great show 90% of the audience teenagers to early 20s and to see that i thought was really heartwarming because i think we fall into the trap and you mentioned it as well pete we fall into the trap that we are caught in that social media bubble where we see enough of what we like and do we necessarily step outside of that because only when we step outside of that do you see different audiences yeah. i think i think absolutely right and, and you know this because i think sometimes the rock community, say the rock community, kind of forget there's the other worlds to outside. For example, on this, you can get, you get, and if you ever don't believe me, check it out on Facebook, win Glass and Bray or the Mercury Music Awards or Smash Hits, if that, that's a thing. But all these music awards are on TV. You'll get untold Facebook people on Facebook saying, Who is this, who's this Billie Eilish? I've never heard of her. She's rubbish. And actually, I think it's a two way thing. In order for us to get new people in, we have got to look out and actually see what else, like you said, else is out there. Didn't and see what they... Didn't she do Rebel Yell? <laughs> that was Billy Idiot. Oh, so, sorry. There you go. <clears throat> but you're right, it is. And I think we I think we always so internal when we think, because we think a lot of people think uh, people on the scene are really, really famous, but actually we just know them. You know, the, the somebody in the street isn't going to have heard of Blackstone Cherry, which are huge, yeah. but they're not the, the average person in the street doesn't like that music, isn't going to handle them. So I think we've got to look out as well, as well as people trying to get as well as people trying to get in. I'm quite enthused by the fact that Ed Sheeran's doing something with Danny Filth. That has the potential <laughs> to be a great crossover. He's got it in his bones, hasn't he? He wants to do that sort of thing. I mean, heck, he guessed it yeah. with the darkness at Christmas. I think yeah, all these crossovers are good. They're not busted. I don't really know much about busted. They're not old. Not old. I know the kind of pop band. Going, they play guitars. I'm happy with that. So they're mm. playing downloads. I know it's a different thing, but people are mocking it and saying this is really bad. But I'm thinking it's really anything that gets anybody else into our music is a good thing. That's exactly the point with busted. And, and one of the topics we were going to talk about tonight was, was the kind of download reaction. But so many people don't realise that busted were a gateway band for so many young kids. Yeah, um, and I don't see that as a bad thing. I mean, for me, it was Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, my gateway band. You know, people might yeah. take the mick out me now. Listen to Bon Jovi. That got me into everything that I'm into now. 
Never. I will not have Never. one bad word to get into about John John Bon Jovi. I'll let it date. I will tell you all about his aprons. True story. Let, but we're going off topic. <laughs> I want one now. So Chantel, what, what what are you seeing at, at gigs? I mean, obviously as a performer, you're you're front and center. Yeah. Obviously, you're being a more of a blues rock artist. I guess your demographic probably skews older because of the music. But what what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I kind of see it from both sides because because I run the record label as well. I see the business side of it um, probably more so than a performer side of it because it's without without business, you've not got music. So <laughs> sad as that is. Um, so it's kind of seeing it from both sides in that I think because obviously we've played a lot of festivals lately and we're seeing the other bands that are playing at the festivals and the other bands that are on the scene and the whole new wave of classic rock thing. And I think I think it's like at the moment, it's a very safe bet to be in that scene where it's like, you know, you wear leather, you swig Jack Daniels, you sing about trucks and Jack Daniels and girls and blah, 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 blah. And it's like it's been done to death and everybody's been doing it for the last like 30 years. You know, Skid Row did this. It's been done. But it's a safe bet because they know that they're going to get 150 people that are probably in the 40s that will come because they liked Guns N' Roses in the 80s. And, you know, that sort of demographic, it's an easy, safe bet. Whereas I think there's so much more can be done. And I also think with marketing as well, I think... I think this music has been marketed to this age group and this demographic. And that's why it's not getting to younger people. Um, and I don't even know why, I, you know, other than this nostalgia thing, to me, it's just like, well, why are we not marketing this at, you know, teenagers? You know, teenagers are into Billie Eilish and whatever, and they're listening to other things that are rock. And it's like, well, why are we not marketing the new wave of classic rock at these people? You know, we're marketing it at people that listen to, you know, main rock radio stations and stuff like that. And it's a certain demographic instead of going, let's think outside the box with this. How can we market? How can we re like reach younger people and people that are more enthusiastic and, you know, that want to go out to gigs and want to get out there and support live music? How do we do this? I think that's that's the point. You know, do bands know how to reach younger people on different platforms. I mean, you know, through my job, obviously I'm a marketer by trade. Um, and I know that it's much easier to target people on Facebook and Instagram who like rock music. Um, I can't easily target by paying to target people on TikTok. No. On those demographics. TikTok doesn't allow it. I've tried. So, you know, it, I, I can imagine it's much easier, as you say, for bands to just hit that demographic. Um, yeah. without embracing where I guess where the kids are going yeah I think I think that's a lot a lot to be said in that in that I think bands it's easy to look backwards rather than look forwards you know you're looking back at what's been done and it's been done to death and going okay well that worked we'll do the same instead of going well okay let's think outside the box a little bit here and go well how can we evolve this and how can we get this to a new audience and how can we make this bigger rather than just settling for what we've got and it being a click and everybody doing the same thing and competing against each other. And it's like, well, you know, what's the point? If you've got a festival that's got 25 bands on that all sound exactly the same, you're going to have a very small group of people that absolutely love it because they've got 25 bands that they can watch nonstop and be absolutely obsessed with. But 
you're never going to get beyond that. And it's like, how do you get beyond that? Is it marketing? Is it putting money into marketing? Because, you know, a lot of marketing has been able to afford marketing and afford PR companies and pluggers and everything else. Um, you know, and I think I think that's the other problem for younger bands as well and bands that are new bands. Where does the money come from? You know, how do you afford to be out there on the road, running a van, running a band, paying for hotels, and then go, oh God, I've got a marketing budget and I've got a peer, I'm paying a plugger and I'm paying a manager and they're taking 20% and I've got an agent who's taking 15%. And then at the end of the day, there's no money left <laughs> and you can't afford to do it and you end up just going back and playing in your bedroom. But there is something about that. I mean, that older demographic tends to have more money. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. The fans yeah. have got bigger. Somebody once said to me, somebody who leads a band who have been very successful, I said to me, my fans are getting bigger waist, but they've got deeper pockets. But that's there's no longevity in that, is there? That's okay for two or three albums. And I think, because people soon go, okay, okay, I've relived my youth now. What's next? Mm. And it's right, Chantal, what you said. I mean, I think, and, and the look at the past with Rose Tint, I feel Rose Tint at Glasses. I love rock music, still do. I've always loved it. But I'm looking at these bands that are like Motley Crue, and I want to say to them, listen, I lived through that. Motley Crue are rubbish. They've always been rubbish. They've never been good. They've never been a good band, really. But now you look back at these bands, and I think people are thinking they're bigger than they were. And again, to the average person, Skid Row were never a big band. Poison were never very good. But I think that they, they look back at that. I know all of you are going to kill me. All the C.C. DeVille fans will kill me. They were fun. I Adrian, Mike, Mike is a huge Poison fan, you know, Adrian? The uh, Poison are possibly at the very top of my bucket list to see live. Now, whether that's a good show or not, I've never seen them live. It's one of my biggest regrets in music. They were big for us because we liked them, but they weren't. Do you know what I mean? I think they're reliving that youth. They're reliving the 80s, which weren't very big at the time. But that kind of made, I mean, Motley Crue, Poison and Def Leppard are playing these stadiums. Poison wouldn't have played stadiums in the 80s, would they? I don't think so. Poison in the 80s were supporting Leopard on the Hysteria tour, and that was at the end of the 80s. So oh, I suppose it was, yeah. They, they, were, they were definitely playing arenas, but only in conjunction with rather than on their own. I'd always have them down as a Hammersmith band, for example, rather than a an arena band. Well, it's still pretty big. You know, there are a lot of bands now that I would consider doing well that probably wouldn't sell out Hammersmith. No, that's very true. Yeah. I mean... But I've just... Reaching for my poison vinyl there, but I can't find it. In fairness, it's in my gig bag, and I use it as a joke. It's a funny joke, but I do love them. But yeah, but the point is, I think sometimes you're right though. When you've got all these bands who kind of sound similar at top, using that kind of, and I don't think kids these days. I don't know when I teach kids. I don't know one seventeen-year-old whose dream is to drink Jack Daniels and sit around in the LA sunset. I think that's they. They look at that and go, "What you what you said?" Do you know what I mean? And I think if you go if you go to an architect's gig. The architects don't have to be drinking Jack Daniels and wearing leather trousers that with tar full of talcum powder. They don't have to do that because the young people don't dress like us, thankfully for them. I was just going to say, I don't think the young people, you know, 17-year-olds now, it, they can't relate to that. You know, yeah. they don't. You know, you've got to look at, I mean, a bit irrelevant, but modern drinking kind of traits. So many people now yeah. don't drink. You know, youngsters, 18, 19-year-old, they're not going out and getting drunk and stuff. 
And you go, well, no. why, why would they want to listen to a band that's singing about Jack Daniels and pretending to be drunk on stage and isn't that so rock and roll? And, it's and like, being misogynistic because yeah. definitely the 18-year-olds, and rightly so, see that as a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a negative thing. And, yeah. you know, especially the way the world is at the moment, it's like, you know, it's the last thing on earth you want to be kind of portrayed as is being misogynistic on stage or that stereotypical, you know, rock and roll lad really yeah i've got a uh i've got a 17 year old daughter and um her she she's not a massive drinker she likes a drink but she and a lot of her friends do like spirits they are very much the flavored vodka generation i would argue and it's i think they don't necessarily do the jack and sunset strip thing because they don't need to i think we saw that as a lifestyle that was almost just out of reach Whereas for them, drink is actually far more accessible now than ever it was when we were younger. We, it was a real stealth exercise to be able to get spirits at 17, eight, even 18 years old to begin with, because A, we couldn't afford it, but B, should we really be doing this? Whereas nowadays, I think actually teenagers probably get brought into a drinking culture a little bit earlier, possibly by the parents, just to make sure they don't go overboard. And they're almost trained in it rather than it being a wild ride and adventure, which is, I kind of think, what we were going for. Yeah, and I think, I think as 50, well, you know, I'm 50, but I think, so when you get to a certain age, like I said, the last, if you were 17, if your daughter, would you really want to see somebody who's 52 years of age on stage with a mullet and a leather jacket drinking Jack Daniels? No, do you probably just think it's a parody of, yeah. of life, you know? But we're talking about younger bands. Well, there aren't many of the, the Nwoko bands in their kind of 50s. But I, I think everything that, that, that we're saying is is correct um, and there's a lot to it. But I think musically, there's a big disconnect. I don't think that the younger generation, that classic rock, rock, hard rock, dad rock, um, I mean, obviously it's huge in America, but over here, it just doesn't have that appeal. And if you look at the bands that do relate, um, they're singing about mental health. They're singing about issues that, that kids and young people relate to. Mm -hmm and the state of things today and not saying about Jack Daniels and women and so on um, mm -hmm. but also the music there's such a an acceptance of electronic sounds and you know different styles different genres kind of merging in which I just don't see now I mean I like a lot of music um, and I, I guess I, I tend to the heavier in, in stuff I listen to I do like heavy modern stuff um, but yes, I'm aware that I'm booking for a, a festival which is considered a bit more rock, um, and I can appreciate that. But you know, you look at the, the, the I mean, I'm getting pitched bands that I would love to book that, that I can see as being really big with the younger crowd, but I know it's going to turn off the majority of my audience. And unfortunately, it, what Chantel said is absolutely spot on. I mean, I, I, I feel burned about that. You know, I am booking, you know, a lot of bands that are, that almost sound the same, but have the same kind of style and, and same. And musically quite similar um and i think for a festival to 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 evolve and, and maintain long term and i'm sure andy coppins probably would back me up on this when the recent download announcement um is we have to embrace different things like you know the kids and the youngsters are embracing it but you know rock isn't really rock is kind of as you say staying exactly what it, where it is where it was where it has been for 30 years um and even though i enjoy I enjoy it, or most of it, 
I don't see any youngsters getting into it anytime soon. I think the problem is the risk as well. You know, if you put um, a festival on and you put younger bands and hoping to bring a younger audience and then that doesn't work and you lose your older fan base as well, you've got that risk. And there's so many new festivals that crop up every single year. And, you know, there are only small ones that maybe all three or 400 people. And then the next year, that's it, they've gone. And you never hear of it ever again. And you go, well, what happened to that? That You know, that looked a really good lineup. But, you know, because it's it's hard to keep that audience that's a core audience, but then introduce younger people. It is so hard to, and that compromise, and it's such a risk. But we, we, we kind of laugh. I think a lot of people have laughed and, and took fun at downloading. Yes, the lineup isn't everyone's cup of tea. And actually, it's still, I think... People in the forties and fifties are saying, "Oh, it's the it's a new lineup for the kids." And as it Avenged Sevenfold and these Fall Out Boy are not young bands. No. They're not young, but they're, they're not young bands. But I think what they're doing, you can see they're kind. And Reading have done it. I know Reading are no longer a rock festival per se, but they're still bit Glastonbury, the most successful festival in the world. That's managed it. It's got its big old, you know, the old ones, the old classics or whatever, McCartney. But it's also got all these the younger, the newer bands coming and. That's pretty successful. But I know it's really, you're right, it's a massive risk and you do need that safety net, I suppose, don't you? The finance to do it. It is a, it is a tough one. On the small scene, and the small scene is nearly impossible, I would I would imagine. I don't know any festivals that have got that real eclectic mix. There must be some. Chantel, you're no more than me because you're on a few of them, aren't you, actually? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a tricky one because I keep getting labelled blues and it's really not blues. <laughs> It's you know it's kind of heavy rock with the blues in. Sorry for my introduction. I mean we're stuck in this thing of playing blues festivals and we go well, we're not we're playing like progressive rock, like it's like prog and some bits are even melting into a little bit of sort of like really heavy weird jazz stuff, so it's definitely not blues, and it's kind of like you look at the blues audience and you go flipping neck that's really worse than the rock audience. <laughs> you know because it's it's a certain demographic and that demographic's getting older and you know you go to a festival the year after and you go oh, where's so-and-so where and you go oh damn and you're like oh my god and it sounds brutal and awful but it is it's they're getting older they're getting where they can't come out they're getting I mean the covid thing that was a nightmare because it a lot of people lost confidence in going out and you know whether it was safety as regarding COVID or whatever, or just losing confidence to go out full stop. And because it's that age demographic, it's like you don't really want to lose many because there isn't that many left in the nicest possible way. It's when it happens during a gig, that's when you've got a problem. It does, though. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) With your prog audience, though, weren't they the first ones to get vaccinated? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> See, but I find that really weird. Not, not not the COVID thing, the prog thing, because I, I'm i really on, into Stephen Wilson and Porcupine Tree. So I've been to the Stephen Wilson gigs recently and everything, and it's a younger audience. It's a real cross of demographic. Really? You know, you've got, yeah, you've got the dads there that are my dad's age, you know, then you've got people that are sort of, my age, then you've got kids that are like sort of 18 year old that are getting into porcupine tree because their older siblings or the parents have listened to it and stuff. And you think, but you, you'll, you'll always get that, but you'll get that with the, the classic rock. And, 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 you know, we do see younger people 
yeah. at these gigs and festivals, but there's they're not there's not many, and they come with well, the parents. But that was the weird thing. There were quite a lot of them, and another weird gig that I went to. I went to see Kari Wong, which he's kind of like funk guitar stuff, and I thought, oh, it's just going to be like look because I mean it's all instrumental work as well. So I was expecting like you know the kind of Steve Vai audience that would be wanting to sit there and analyze what you know strumming techniques he's using and all this mainly men I was expecting that and I'm like this is young people and there's like 50% women and these are people that are sort of like maybe between 18 and 35 like mainly and I'm and this was at like I think it was the Apollo or something in London or so it were a big big probably about 4,000 capacity and I'm going eh (laughs) how's this work it was totally unexpected because you would expect that style of music and that um, you know, that genre and everything, that sort of virtuosity thing, to be, you know, 50-odd-year-old men, not, you know, women, 50% demographic for it. And some bands do it, don't they? I mean, I mean they're another massive band. The Foo Fighters couldn't be more classic rock. If You know, they couldn't be more classic rock. And they sell it. Now, of course, they've, they've got a name and they've got Dave Grohl, but youngsters like the Foo Fighters, how can't we get youngsters and uh, you know what I mean and, and again they yeah, are very classic rock but they don't sing about nonsense and you know they're, they're nice people and 30 years old as well in terms of how long they've been around after the Nirvana closed obviously they came out of the ashes and they've done nothing but go up the bill since then I mean I remember seeing them at V Festival as the main support to the Chili Peppers I think in the year 2000 mm. and look how they've climbed the ladder since then. I mean, it's been fantastic. I mean, they can play the Olympic Stadium and sell it out two or three nights in a row, can't they? And they're not a parody. They don't, I don't think, people don't, some people don't, it's not their kind of music. I don't think people look at them and laugh at them like other bands and go, oh my God, that's dad. It is a big dad music. But do you know what I mean? I don't think it's, because they're doing things right. And I suppose it's, I don't know, it's, it's, and the the, the younger bands, like, look at Billie Eilish. I mean, I've watched her on Glass. I don't know anything about her. But to me, she's more punk than a lot of our bands. Mm. You know, and a lot of our bands, yeah. I think we're really yeah. rock and roll, really punk. This is pop rubbish. That, it was a great show. It was great. Look, Stormzy, not my kind of music at all, not my bag. But I watched it as a live performance thinking, wow, that's incredible. Uh, and the, the, obviously, but it's not just like young black men who like Stormzy. It's a wide variety. So... I think that's the key, isn't it? We need to get that, that dem- to widen our demographic. You only have to look at Linkin Park's final album and wonder where they would have gone next, because, of course, they had Stormzy guesting on that. So they yeah. clearly got the vision at that point, hadn't they? And it's a shame that that One More Light just didn't continue for them, obviously, having lost Chester. But um, what we might have mocked at the time, because it's not what we wanted from... It wasn't the first two albums all over again. Actually, maybe they were onto something and they were mm-hmm. indeed heading in the right direction. Rock fans, do we like I said at the start, do we need to look out and not go, oh, they don't understand our music? Do we need to look out and go, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from from 18-year-olds? Because 18-year-olds know what they like, you know, and we need to we need to know what they like. We we tried to have to kind to get them in. Like Maiden Stone's a fantastic festival. Great. And I think. If, if you came to it, if, if an 18-year-old came to it, would, would, they, would they go away with a few favourite bands? Or would they go, and general question going, 
yeah, that was really good. That's what happens when you get old. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, I'd like to think a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you look at last year, and I've got friends who came last year who I've never been before, I've told you this before, I'm not just saying this because Chantel's here. I like Outlaw Orchestra, Chantel McGregor, because they're not the usual, they're not They're not standard. You, you, it is different. What You're watching yeah, and you're listening to great music, but you also, it's a theatre. I always think with Chantel and Outlaw Orchestra, it's a theatre experience. You're watching people on stage who are lovely and fun. And, and and charming and it's and so different, you know what I mean. And I think bands like that are the if people came in to see them, I think they would all leave as fans. Because we are fairly new, um, we're not that set or established in a certain direction. Even though some agents already think we are classic rock and and won't even consider when I put an offer in for something anything heavier than that. Um, but a lot of the agents are quite understanding and are quite keen to get, you know different bands through um we haven't announced it yet there are a couple of bands that will be announced next time which um i think the the classic rock and <clears throat> rambling man faithful will probably bring tears to their eyes uh, watching them but they're gonna be amazing um and there's definitely you know what, Chris, i know we can't say it out loud but i know you've got pop space i am very excited <laughs> <laughs> i'm so tempted <laughs> but yeah, and, 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 which, which and, one? And which Fox Fizz? There's two of them. Put them on each stage each and have them fight it out. Fox Fizz brawling. Yeah, yeah. I, I go for Cheryl Baker. I put money on her. Always back Baker, mate. Brings brings to mind celebrity death match. We should bring that back. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. that was great. This would be the real life version as well. That'd be, that'd be now that'd pull the crowds in. Chantel versus Kiwa Mac fight to the death. Oh, she's really, she's energetic. Yeah, but you're from Yorkshire. I've had a fight in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. That's a good way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd run away. That's my tactic. Just run away. Right answer. <laughs> I'd be behind somebody bigger than you. <laughs> Chris, you mentioned about being new and being able to um, take the odd risk. I mean, a couple of the bands that you put on last year, The Hunter being one of them, and also Skindred as well, not your classic Moat Park Fair from earlier years, but absolutely the reason that I, I, I've been getting the train um, to work in London every day for about the last 10 or 15 years now with a lady that lives about five minutes down the road from me. I know her daughter really well. She's in her mid-20s. She was there with three of her friends to see the Hunter more than anybody and lost their minds at Skindred in terms of just how much energy and how much they enjoyed it. They were the two highlights for them. Whereas if you do speak to your typical classic rock audience, they would probably be two of the bands that they'd have dismissed. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, we're not download size. I don't have 200 slots to play with, but there's still enough room to add a little bit of variety. I mean, look, I get criticised from all sides. You know, why haven't I booked any prog bands? Chantel was saying, maybe I should look that way now. You know, why haven't I booked Southern Rock Bands, which is harder than most people think? Why haven't I booked this? Um, and it's 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 one of the things. It's like, who do you, do you try and appease everybody? Well, mm. I mean, Andy, Andy Coppin tries that on a, on a yearly basis and, and gets battered from all angles for it. Um, when we started, we kind of sat down and said, look, we're obviously going to get Rambo Man comparisons, but... We don't want to do Rambling Man. It would have been kind of easy and lazy to do Rambling Man because, yes, we wouldn't have like, been able to pay for Scorpions and so on and so forth, but, you know, we could have replicated that lineup as best we can with the bands that we could at our level 
And, you know, I mean, Bromby Mum were putting in twice our capacity, but we didn't want to do it. We just, we didn't feel comfortable doing it. You know, there's a prog festival in Kent that's done quite well. Uh, Black Deer picked up a lot of the sort of blues, the Americanas. And the, I mean, since when Bromby Mum went down, I think a lot of other festivals took up that slack and, and actually did quite well out, out of Bromby Mum. But I don't want to compete with those festivals. And I want to chart our own path. And for me, it will always be a, a, a hard rock festival, but I'm very happy to delve into blues, Southern American heavy metal and go beyond that. And I think next year you'll see even more. I will be booking smaller, heavier bands that appeal to a younger crowd. So I'm thinking bands like St. Agnes, Carver Louise, those kind of bands that, you know, yeah. at the minute are just kind of, low to mid with sort of radar or just kind of knocking on download's door but i think we need to get some of those through it through a mop park if you can throw in a bit of electronic in there as well for that crossover sound bands like um um electric orgasm for example all that sort of uh, stuff orgasm, so I, yeah. I would book electric callboy in a heartbeat and i will get i'll get beaten up from all sides in fact um before i took on the booking from Maidstone, that it was you know half the line from last year was actually booked by someone else but I was part of the team um, and we actually I got them to to inquire about Electric Boy, and they weren't available but I would headline those guys any day of the week because they are the best live band around I've never seen anyone work a crowd better no but yeah absolutely saw them at Copenhagen last summer that was 35,000 people and I've never seen a floor a festival floor just bouncing as one unbelievable mm. absolutely fantastic do you know what you said that right? And this maybe, years ago, I went to Reading and uh, Core played. And I remember because Lincoln Park at one stage, Core and the other. And Reading, obviously, is young as a fairly younger crowd. And I was sitting there going, I was watching Lincoln Park. I absolutely love Lincoln Park. I thought, I wonder what they're thinking of. Sorry, no, it wasn't Core. Madness. Madness. On halfway through the day. And these young, you could see they were coming on. Madness, like for the old boys. And it was so weird seeing the whole place just jump up and down. All these kids who didn't really know who Madness were, but all, within minutes they've got that, the aura around them. Yeah. And, you know, some bands who I think are timeless, you know, it's like whatever, ska, whatever, but I love that band that does to me, you know, that kind of just encapsulates everyone. I think Skinwood are like that as well. You just kind of, you might not particularly love the music, but you're caught in the moment. Yeah, you can't, you can't ignore a live performance from them at all. And I'm like I'm like I'm a living colour. I'm I'm a, one of my favourite bands in the world, uh, and I'm like that with them. I'm just fascinated. But again, not everyone's cup of tea, but the mind. So we don't care about anybody else. No, oh, I hear you. No, exactly what you mean. It is that energy and enthusiasm, definitely, that makes all the difference. And if they can carry that into the crowd, goodness, watching that crowd respond like that. I mean, it's as it's as exciting and fun to watch the crowd as it is the band sometimes. Well, yeah, and, and, and the opposite way, you can get these massive megastar, brilliant musicians on stage, and sometimes they're a bit more, you know, and, and that's great on their own, but you know when you've got two or three or four on a row, you're kind of like, actually, do you know what, this, I mean, I'm going to say, because I'm not a massive fan, uh, like Ingvi Malstein's an amazing guitarist, absolutely he's amazing, but after getting hit by in the face by a plate from again, I just go to the bar. <laughs> and I think with with like an, when you get loads of you kind of like yeah you're amazing it's amazing but and I think that's the trick of the festival isn't it to get slide in so when you say you can appease everyone you can't appease everyone but you can 
you, everyone's going to leave with a different favourite. Very true. And that's, I think you've won then. I think if you've discovered a new band that you wouldn't think about going to see normally, maybe it's not your cup of tea like Skindred or whatever, Chantel, Outlaw Orchestra, anything slightly different, and you're leaving going, actually, do you know what? They're memorable. You've won as a, as a festival. Yeah, you've only got to look at the resp response of recently going to see uh, the, the Sleep Token. They've gone from being a support band, middle of the afternoon at festivals, headlining the Sophie Tent at Bloodstock, sold out show at Wembley Arena in the space of 10 minutes from the tickets going on sale. And that's all in the space of a handful of years. You know, yeah. so, and, and that's a young crowd going to see them as well. So there's definitely the appetite, sort of rewinding all the way back to what, you know, Chris's original question on this. The appetite for the music is there. There are multiple age groups going out to gigs, finding the right mix to draw an audience from all demographics into one place. Yeah, that's got to be a challenge, hasn't it? But your sleep tokens, your electric call boys, they're not playing classic rock. And this no, I agree. What I was saying yeah. about, you know, is, is the classic rock sound, that does it appeal to what band can make that sound, you know, hard rock, heavy rock, whatever, you know, appeal to a, a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old, whether it's introducing other instruments, making it a little bit more modern, a little bit heavier, you know, um, different vocals, you know, different, sorry, I like song lyrics that, that, that reflect a wider thing than tight trousers and Jack Daniels. I don't know, because I don't see it. But that comes back to the point about it. Surely it's a good song is a good song. Absolutely. And it's performed well. So are we yeah. are we lacking not good bands, but good songs from those bands? Do we need more of those anthemic, if we are talking classic rock, we need more of those anthemic tracks that lodge themselves in the brains of the listeners. Maybe what we've got is a vast number of quality, talented musicians that can play back catalogue from the classic rock bands of old and also write their own material but does their own material need to take a step up i think so songwriting is, is is key i mean you know every year at medistone we do um we open up applications for people to to apply predominantly for the for the third stage the rising stage but if someone blew our minds we would obviously consider one of the other stages um you know we had 172 173 applications this year um, and I listen to every single one, um, most of them in batches. Um, and it's it's an interesting experience. As, as It's as good as it is bad. Uh, there are a lot of talented musicians, a lot of great bands, but not a lot of songs that really, really stand out. You know, I'm listening to a band, I'm thinking, yeah, they, they, they do a job. They're, they're, they're decent, they, they would do a job. But they're not grabbing me and shaking me and saying that you know, these, these guys are future headliners. Um, and I think what you said is is absolutely key. It's all in the song, um, yeah. and I, I, I'm I'm not seeing it as much as I, I'd like to. Not quite sure where they're trying to go with it sometimes because commercial airplay is difficult to get, I suppose. Um, and maybe they don't get the feedback that they should because it, back in the day there'd have probably been less of them as well, and there'd be less um, competition for the airwaves but um there, there's something that's i don't know lacking maybe they're too technically competent maybe they need to be a little bit trashy unorthodox and not that good to begin with i mean pete nailed it on the head when he was talking about say you know early motley crew you're never going to win 
awards for the quality of the musicianship there, but the songs worked because it was attitude and edgy and made you feel alive when you listen to it. And the same to a degree with Poison as well. I mean, again, Pete mentioned Cece and his guitar playing. He's he's no um he's no Steve Vai, but he did enough to be able to make the songs catchy along with the other three as well. And um but we're, I think we're, you're, you're right. Too. But we're getting that attitude from orgasm scene queen, these kind mm. of artists. I don't see it in in so much in in, in the kind of rock world, the, the traditional rock world. Um, um because I don't think a lot of bands can see attitude to them is is what you're saying, like you know, act like Motley Crue were 30 years ago. Um it, it's not attitude that's connecting with a younger crowd. Well, look at the big the big bands that are kind of old hat now, I suppose, to the younger crowd and the big sort of the middle-aged crowd, like the big ones like Killers and Kings of Leon. I suppose at one point getting these big festival tunes worked in the Kings of Leons are, are, are a good band. But they had a couple of these massive festival tunes, didn't they? Quite cleverly written. But they, they were a headline act. People like them. They're very, they look good. They they don't play the big man. They don't, you know, and I think I think maybe we just got to, I don't know, I, I would like to see bands our age lose that image, I think, selfishly. I think it would help the youngsters coming up. I think another part of the problem is with the younger bands and the, the sort of newer bands that are coming onto the scene, nobody's giving them any, I don't mean it negatively, but nobody's giving any constructive criticism. Everybody's just going, oh my God, you're the best band I've ever seen. You're so good. And all the fans are blowing smoke and going, you're the best thing. You're so big. You're so wonderful. Everything's perfect. You don't ever change. You're perfect. And they're not getting any sort of like negative. I don't mean like be mean to people because I mm -hmm. hate people that are mean. But they're not getting any sort of constructive criticism of going, well, actually, this song could be a lot better if you just kind of tweaked it a bit and did this to it. And, you know, maybe you don't need that extra verse and that extra chorus and that three-hour-long guitar solo, which I can't tell. But, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? They've Because they've got so many yes people around them. That's it, yeah. All people around them. And all the mates are telling them how amazing they are and that they're rock stars and all this. And there's nobody actually bringing them back down to earth and going, well, actually, this could be better if you tried it this way or if you kind of approached mm. it in a different way or, you know, maybe think about things a bit more outside the box because they don't want to offend them, they don't want to upset them and they want them to think that they're rock stars. Mm. But, you know, there's there's none of that kind of realism where it's like, well, actually, this could, it's a bit of a crap song. Is um, that because we don't have... A&R people and record labels that were kind of the gatekeepers that, you know, that a band yeah, would put up against someone like this and get shut down. Maybe. I mean, kind of the A&R thing's totally pretty much gone, hasn't it? It's, you know, That's what I mean. So, you know, bands, aren't, bands aren't getting yeah, that. And, and getting do, you, do you think it's also with, I was, I was chatting with a band recently about this, about the, the using social media and creating kind of super fans. Um, it's great, but it also means that all these fans literally think they're so connected with the bands because they can put a private message to them and will get a reply. You know, they buy merch, they, they become super fans, they tell all their other friends about it. They want this band to be successful because then they were in on the ground and, and like the lead singer's my, my mate, and I've got lots of pictures. So see, like it's like you said, there's a bubble of people blowing smoke. Yeah. Um, and there's no one on the other side hitting them down because there's no gatekeepers as such. It's just a, a kind of free-for-all. Yeah, it is. And I mean... You know, I met bands at Maidstone and stuff like that and other festivals that they've got managers there with them. And I'm going, 
what have you got a manager for? You know, self-manage it. Why do you need a manager that's blowing smoke up your bum, basically? Because that's all they're doing, these managers that are taking 20% and going, well, you know, I'll drive the van and pretend I'm a manager. And it's like, well, you're not, you're driving the van, aren't you, really? And just telling everybody how brilliant they are. And it's like, it's like these bands kind of think, well, if we get a manager, that means that we're successful. Instead of looking at it and going, if we get a manager, we're spending 20% of this gig fee on somebody who's just sitting there to tell us how great we are. When and the sad thing about that, the managers are sometimes fans. Yeah. Which is the worst, to me, the worst thing ever because... Because they're never going to be critical. No. You know, they're never going to give advice that's, well, I mean, if they're not even in the industry, it's how do you give advice on something that you're not in the industry for anyway, but... If you've just got friends or fans or whatever, or, you know, I mean, you see so many bands that go, oh, yeah, he's my best mate, but he's my manager. And it's like, well, yeah, but he's never, ever going to give you advice that's going to be constructive and say, well, you really balls that one up. You did, you know, you did that gig and you were really not very professional on it. You need to sort yourself out. They're not going to do that. And it's like, well, without this kind of, you know, whether you self-manage it yourself and go, well, I need a level of, I'm not happy with how I've done this and self-criticism. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's what's lacking. I don't know. Maybe. It, it's funny with that. I've, I've been offered to manage. I know nothing about management. I've been offered to manage a few bands. I've said no, because I, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, and what they mean, I think when they say, can you manage with PAs? Can you get us on the festivals that you compare? Is probably what they mean. But it's interesting because a lot of them, I've sort of asked the questions, well, what, what do you want, where do you want to go? And they say, I want to be famous. I want to be a household name. I want to be this. And when you play these big festivals, that means Stone or Stone Dead, these amazing festivals. I want to see a lot of the bands. I say a lot of the bands, listen, you've played in front of 4,000 4, people, whatever you played. This is a great experience. You're so lucky to do this. What an experience. This is amazing. Sometimes don't think of it as a step up. Just think of it as an absolutely incredible experience. And, and I think that comes with age. And I think if you're young and you've got like a manager, like you said, like you're never, you're always going to be trying to get up and up and up. And there's nowhere else to go to some of these bands. Mm-hmm. And all it's going to end up is arguments and sadness. And but you're right. I think we've got this this mini world that's not real. We've got agents and managers and and it's not real because when you do a gig to even to a hundred people and you're getting selfies and people are buying your album. You buy into it yourself. It's natural. You kind of believe it. No, I'm lucky. I'm a school teacher. So I get all the adoration sometimes at a gig. The next day, I quite frankly get told to F off by a 12-year-old. So it's a real reality hit. And it's great because I can, and, and I'm 50. But if I was in my 20s, I would maybe buy into it. I would think, actually, do you know what? I am going to be headlining download next year. You know what I mean? And I think... Sometimes it's a reality check that we need. And that, that's not negative because it's, it's a good thing playing festivals. We're never, no bands, bands aren't multimillionaires, but it's a I great think, experience. I think it's a realism thing. This is the problem because so many young bands, I mean, you know, you don't start out in music and go, well, yeah, I never want to be successful. I'll make any money because, you know, why would I want to do that? Mm. Um, you know, you always set out for being, you know, the best at what you can do and well I want to do it for a career so I want it to be viable and do all this but I think all these bands go I want to be a rock star I want by next year to be headlining download or whatever and it's like well you've got to work at that you really have to work your bum off and it's, it's got to be something that's actually attainable 
not, you know, this pipe dream of, well, this is what I'm going to do. And all my friends have told me and my mum and dad have told me. So <laughs> yeah. It must be true that I'm going to be a rock star next year. And then when it doesn't happen instantly, because I think a lot of young people as well, there's this instant thing of everything's instant, you know, TikTok, it's instant. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to work and graft for years to get it. But when it hasn't happened within a year and the band splits up because, well, we've not made it famous yet and we've just owe a load of money because we've not made any money. We've spent it all. And then that's where this kind of like sadness and disappointment and resentment towards the music industry comes in because it it is such a hard industry. And I think so many people and the, I mean, God, there's bajillions of bands out there and so many millions and millions of talented people and and it's like, well, what makes you that lucky one that's going to be the one that headlines download? You know, what makes you different? What makes you any better than the other person that's probably living three doors down that thinks exactly the same thing? Well, years yeah. ago, it would have been, they would have just been lucky and got signed by a, a, by a record label, mm. um, which doesn't happen anymore. So what's the what's the business case now? I think this is what, what you were saying about a manager. I, I can't in my right mind think, why any band will take on a manager who's not a business person, yeah. who doesn't know a clear case of, you know, where's the money, what's it been spent on, yeah. how to run this enterprise like a business. Um, if you can't do that, what are you doing managing a band? Yeah, exactly. You know, you need as a manager, you need to understand the legal side of everything. You know, where's the money coming from? PRS. You know, everything like this. And I think so many young bands. I mean. I've I've gone into a few universities and stuff and sort of done industry talks and about, you know, copyright issues and all that. And there's so many young bands that just go, well, well, we didn't think we need to. We put it on YouTube and we thought that I'd cover it. And I'm like, oh, you know, just the kind of lack of knowledge of the industry and getting screwed over. And, you know, bands that are going and playing and still paying to play I'm still hearing of support bands that are going, well, we'll buy on, we'll pay to play, we'll pay you. And I'm like, I'm not charging somebody to play support. If you're a good band, I like you and you're nice to work with, come and do a gig, you know. But there's so many bands that are still thinking that that's the way you've got to do it. You have to put up, you know, a fair few grand to get on a tour. And it's like, what are we still in, you know, 1990? <laughs> I was shocked by that because I was, I was a sort of stand-up comic when I first got into the music scene, I didn't really realise, I couldn't believe, I was talking to some bands and they were saying, oh, well, I'm with, uh, we're, we're, we're supporting bands like LA Guns and this and this. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And they were telling me how much they're paying. And it was kind of my job was, I was like, well, no way. And I'm no businessman. But I thought, you're not going to make that back. And you can see that, there's that, it's that, it's that clinging on to that dream, isn't it? But this might be the chance. And I think, it's sad, isn't it? Because everyone's clinging on to that dream. But, it's not, it's, it's, I, I was absolutely shocked that you're paying so much money to get onto a bill. Mm. I couldn't believe it. And that was six, five years ago. And I was absolutely, you know, that's like Will Meshwang and Ethan calling me up and goes, can you be my support act? But can you give us 2,000 quid? There's absolutely no difference in that. And that would never happen. No. I, 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 I see this all the time with bands who want to come to Medicine because they think getting in front of two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 people is going to be the thing that breaks them. And it, it, I, I, obviously we've only been ruined for a year, but I see a lot of bands that come off that stage on a super high, crash back down to earth the next day, and it's like, well, what do I do now? Because it hasn't just translated into no. you know, 
but you've had an experience and you when you're on that stage you've got to announce it young bands go and enjoy it go and enjoy it don't think of it as ne the next step because i think the, the big one for me is like stone dead a lot of people play stone dead the next day they play Rockwich, and i always say because i kind of compare and i say listen Rockwich is amazing festival it's small it's inside it's like a football ground and the bands are on a huge stage with thousands of people and then they're in a little sort of brilliant but small build and i always say to them right you've loved that stage of stone dead that's amazing right the next gig Rockwich, the fans love it because you're nearby but you should love it equally as much mm. uh and it's, it's easy for me because i'm not in a band but it, i try to I, I try i feel like i'm being negative but i'm saying listen don't You've, you've not done Maiden Stone, then, then you're not going to do Reading, then you're not going to do Download. It doesn't work like that. That's not life. But you've, you've, like you said, you've played on a stage with thousands and thousands of people have watched you art. I know it's not going to pay the bills, but how lucky is that? How grateful you've, 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 you gave everybody joy for an hour. And if you make it big after that, or if, you, if it goes with a step up, amazing, good on you. But you can't rely on that. And you can't, I don't think you can think that. But then I'm not, like I said, I'm not in a band. So it's easy for me to be philosophical when it's not my money, if that makes sense. Well, we've covered quite a lot. We've gone from talking about the rock scene to bringing new people in to festival lineups to why bands shouldn't have managers. To, um... <laughs> <laughs> but be honest, Chris, I know you're keeping it under your, under your heart, but is it Taylor Swift for Maidenstone? Because I'm there if it is. I am there if it is. It would be tempting because, you know, I mean, she puts a lot of bums on, on seats, bums on grass. She puts many bums on seats. Did you put my bum on a seat as well? I'll be there definitely in the Swifty. No, I mean, I'm, I'm keen to to throw some curveballs, but I think that would be a little too curved in, not in a good <laughs> way, you know, just bringing in one of the biggest pop acts in the world. I, I would draw your attention to the fact that she did the uh, country music television event with Def Leppard. She, well, she knows was a every artist. song inside she out. Yeah, she was. She was a country artist before she was a pop artist. She was verging on Southern rock at that point. I mean, it's brilliant stuff, her early material. And if you ever get the chance, that show she did in wherever it was at the Country Music Awards with Leopard, full set. It's a good hour, hour and a half of music. It's brilliant. I'm going for, and I'm hoping for, and I don't know if, Chris, you can, you can, you can do any good in this one. I'm hoping next year for a headline tour, Swift McGregor, double headline tour. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't know. Is that a thing you could sort out? Yeah. <laughs> on that basis then, Chantal, what are your fans called? Because obviously you've got Swifties on Taylor's side. Are yours Greg's? I don't know. Greg's. They sound like a pasty shop, though. <laughs> the best I don't want to call them shop. tellies either, because they sound like some sort of like kids' TV show with... <laughs> Telly Greggs. Yeah. Oh my god. Now it sounds like a Greg's TV advert. <laughs> I don't want to advertise pasties. I know you've got to work out what you're gonna call your fans. You want to advertise uh air dry air, air fryers. Oh god, yeah. Do you know what? I'm thinking I might actually write a song about ninja air fryers and tag them in that with because I've got the video for that now. To, to those who don't know, it was one of the best live moments of, I was watching Chantal on stage and she was talking about uh Air fryers for whatever it is, it's Chantel. Do you know what I mean? And there's a massive digital ball behind her, you know, with 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 her image in it. And it made me laugh just before that. You turned around to this huge digital image, and in unrock star, unegotistical ways, Chantel ways. You looked around, you looked at the audience, went, "Oh my God, is that my roots? They're really bad." <laughs> and well, then yeah, you I did not realise the camera was there, and I was like, "Oh my God." <laughs> 
<laughs> talk about air fryers. So the next thing you know, the sun, the guy in the Sunderland light desk, who was fantastic, put some, uh, just like put words on a huge it just said Ninja air fryers, and everybody's laughing, and you were playing along, not seeing it. Oh, it was, it was, it was a moment. It was a moment. It certainly was something. <laughs> I didn't get a free one. I had to buy it from Argos, though. Good plug for Argos, though. So there you go. That is they, true. The other shops were available with small blue pens. Well, no, they weren't. At the, they weren't at the time because everybody bought a Ninja air fryer for Christmas. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. trying to get some sponsorship from Ninja and Argos tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, got it. I've got a Ninja air fryer. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to be all middle class, but it's a game changer. Isn't That's it? the next podcast. Uh, forget the bands, Chris. The bands will all tap. We've agreed. Let's do air fryers versus microwaves. What what musicians have what? There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. Episode two. I bet Glenn Hughes has got neither. I bet he's just got a magic pot that heats everything let's, up. Let's get him on. Let's not. <laughs> I bet he's got a crock pot. He'll <laughs> have a crock pot, I reckon. I can imagine Marco Mendoza's air fryer is an imaginary one. I love Marco, but he's absolutely mental. And uh, you can imagine just like this imagining Marco, you're not you're just putting it in a cupboard. You're putting your food in a cupboard, mate. You know, but Marco is Marco, so he can do what he wants. I want to poke around Rockstar's kitchens, like through the keyhole. <laughs> you're gonna be really disappointed because it's gonna no, they'll all be they'll all be quickly putting Jack Daniels in. Do you know what I mean? They'll be like <laughs> In the fridge, like what's he doing? Get some Jack Daniels from 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 the office, please. Come on! <laughs> I can't believe, honestly, if you badmouth Jack Daniels anymore, I'm not going to get the Jack Daniels sponsorship. And I'm I like not badmouthing Jack Daniels. I'm not badmouthing at all. Honestly, I, I, I'm really grateful you give me a bottle a day. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I uh, I was sponsored by uh, I, why I was sponsored when I did my comedy tour. I was sponsored by uh, like I said, I suppose it's Marks and others, just Cloven Hoof. And he sent me loads of little bottles and loads and loads of little bottles. And then he said to me, it was Paul who runs it. And he said, what are you doing with these little bottles? And I said, I'm giving them to my audience, as you said I should. And he said, really? Because I believe you're just drinking them yourself backstage, which of course I was. Uh, I, he wasn't too impressed. But then when I, when I told him that, what would he do? He went, yeah, fair point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was weird. You know, they asked, they, I, I had to wear a cloven hoof t-shirt. They gave me loads of cloven hoof. I didn't like, I don't particularly like rum, but I, I, I learned to like it. Do you know what I mean? It was great. So sure maybe that's... Yes, well done. I'm just going to make a note of this, Cloven. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a thing anymore, are unfortunately? Oh, I know, sorry, but other, other rum, other rum companies... I, I, I don't get any sponsorship. What's going on? I'll try to get you some sponsorship. Uh, uh, Nike have said to sponsor it, well, but the only, the, only, the only condition is that I... You need me as a compare. No. <laughs> so the thing is, I'm I'm very keen that Made of Stone keeps that maintains that independent spirit. So I'm yes, sorry, Nike. I, 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 I can't I can't sell out to you. I'm sorry. No, no, fair enough. I I, I accept that. Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> Reebok. <laughs> can Can I just add a a big shout out to Nikon? Anyway, thank you. <laughs> that product placing now aren't we is this Everybody, just what we want for free basically yeah do i get a joe brown's comment in there <laughs> can i get some dresses <laughs> joe brown is he not the scottish 
singer, guitar singer. Oh, oh I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But I, it's dress shop in Leeds. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, I can do with the new hat. Six pack. I don't know if you can buy them in. Some jokes, anything really. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, Chris, I suppose it's not fair to ask this one of Chris, but Chantel, Pete, from what Chris has got on the bill at the moment and what we've been talking about in terms of those younger bands that we think have got the right approach, the right attitude, the right spirit and the tunes to go with it, um, any bands on the bill so far that you think absolutely nail that? I'm happy to throw my hat into the ring and go with South of Salem on this one. I think they've got a real opportunity to be one of those next heading up the ladder outfits. Uh, really I agree with you. Do you know who I think the young, different, should get a younger audience in? One of the hardest working bands I know. Uh, I love White Raven Down. I think they do the same as well, but Ash and Reach. Mm, yes, yes. Very true. And they, they're a band who, and I'm sure they don't mind me saying this, I've, I've worked with them a lot. They self-monitor themselves so well. After a gig, they discuss it, they, they dissect it in a nice way, they, and they want to do better and improve it on the next gig constantly and constantly. They've got that, they've got that really a great attitude for, for young people. But yeah. Yeah, a couple of good hot tips there. Anybody you can think of, Chantel? Ooh, living colour, but that now I've just done what we've just sort of Oh, living my favourite. I, I love them, yeah. Um, the thing is, there's so many good younger bands. I mean, like when rivers meet and stuff like that. You know, I yeah. think they're kind of in a similar genre to where I'm at. Um, you know, we've done a few festivals with them, and they're great. So great, aren't they? I think what you've got though, and I'm not just saying this because uh, I'm on a free ticket, but what uh, is the fact is you've got that you've got that diversity. So you've got like if you look at the the new, I don't even like the term new river classic rock. Do you know what I mean? But you've yeah. got bands like White Raven Dunn who are heavy, have got that influence, but they're not, they don't, they're not, they, they really care about what they're singing about. They really, they think about the lyrics, they, they work hard. And you've got them on the same stage as Gun, which obviously I've been around for a long, long time. And then you've got like Ash and Reach and Colin and White Me. And you've got that, like you did last year, you've, and, and you've got that diversity and you've managed to get that. So like I said, all the old timers will go and they'll be happy. And occasionally they'll see a band, maybe like Ash and Reach, White Raven Down, and go, oh, hold on, I'll give them a minute. And I think that that's the it's the it's the diversity that, that works really well. I think Ash and have, have, have changed direction recently. Um, they've been a lot heavier. I think that'll be yeah. interesting to see that if they, a lot of the, the fans kind of get come along with them. Fans are, think, are sticking with will. them. But I think yeah, that's partly I, I because think so. these recently media and, so well in yeah. Kyle and company. Make sure, and I know they they want to go higher, but they make sure they kind of try to involve everyone. There's no bones about they're trying to make it heavier, but they try to kind of involve everyone and all the fans, and they really appreciate it. And I think at this small level, they really appreciate that because, like you said before, the fans, a lot of the fans want to be a part of the journey, don't they? Really, that's important. I think for for me, there are there are three. There are one that I can't say because we haven't announced it yet, but they have confirmed. Uh, they're a trio. They are amazing, um, and but they're quite a little bit higher up. They're, they're quite well known, um, and I think they are going to blow that stage away. So I'm very excited about that. Well, wait for Hansen, more. guys. Hansen's uh, coming. Hansen. <laughs> um, I think of the of the the, the newer bands. Um, I think Crowley are going to pick up a lot of fans. Um, they're quite new, quite fresh, um, 
have a really interesting kind of twist of that rock song that's very infused by 70s Black Sabbath, that kind of um, their thing. Their, their, their style is great. They're uh, very clued up, head screwed on. I think they'd be great. Um, and my personal choice that I wanted to bring in ever since I heard them is Until Nine, which is a, a heavy band from uh, Sheffield, I think, from South York's. And they are so unique, so different. I've got that stuff on repeat. I love it. Mm. Um, and I think if they find their crowd uh, and keep developing their songs, I think they'll do very well. You also find it quite affirming almost for you that we've all picked somebody different as well. Mm, always, always. Yeah, yeah. So that's it always happens, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. No, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be an absolute cracking weekend. I know, again, Chris, I know you probably can't, haven't got any control of this. And, but I'm going to say anyway, can you bring the sun out this time? <laughs> we got it on yeah, day. I know this is not your fault, Chris, but my tent leaked last time. I just want to point that out. And then I went to Primark to get a duvet and they accused me of stealing it. Again, well, I'm not blaming you, Chris. So Single-handedly, it's not your fault. What you need to do, but... Pete, is talk about Argos a bit more. They might send you a new tent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boo to Primark. Argos, you're amazing. Or alternatively, <laughs> don't try and run out of Primark without paying for it and then they won't accuse Listen, you. Listen, I, 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 I had a seat in my hand and everything. <laughs> it will be dodgy. <laughs> You just have that look, Pete. I have that look. I have that look. Yeah, a big when when a, when a mixed race bald fat guy comes into Primark to buy a duvet, you've got to be a bit suspicious. <laughs> have a date for your final announcement, Chris. Uh, yes, I know what it is. Are you allowed to tell everybody? <laughs> no, it's yet. very soon. It's very right. soon. I'm I'm just waiting for one last thing to be locked in and, and agreed. Um, but yes, I would say hopefully in the next two weeks. Cool. Next few weeks, go. did you say? Mm-hmm. Hope so. That's ex- it's exciting. If this podcast takes two or three weeks to edit, that's going to be a bit stupid, isn't it? Because it'll all be out there. <laughs> there you go. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be really, it'll be really good. Like I said, it's yeah. last last year. It was. I, I went there, and I'll be honest with you, last year because not as pumper, not as, as a punter, I was kind of always a bit dubious and like, oh well, actually, uh, I'm not involved, so will I enjoy it as much. And I loved it. It was it was just what, what a festival should be. It always helps when Chantal pops her head around backstage and asks me to look at the jump the new dress you bought from New Look with her mum. But uh, it was just it's just a lovely. You've got that vibe. It's a, it was a lovely. I mean, do you remember we chatted to your band? It's just a, just a nice, really a great place to be. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's, that's what's important to us. I want that uh, not independent feel. I want it to be independent. I don't want. To be, you know, bought by Live Nation or, or, or selling out to Nike, and I want it to be relaxed and I want it to be fun, um, and you know, it's a, it's a great look. Even though we can't help the rain, the park itself drains amazingly. You're never going to get a download scenario. Listen, my tent so, didn't drain. At one point, now, Chris, my my tent did not drain. Yeah, I can't help your tent, Pete. I'm going to have to, <laughs> have to put you in a, in a glamping pod next time. Oh, oh did, right, guys, you heard that. The whole world heard that. Right? They're going to put me three in a glamping pod. No. Have fingers crossed going Yeah, the listen, it was, it, was a tw- it was a 22 pound tent that actually did look like a bit like a willy. And it was a bargain. So I thought it was really cheap. And I thought, this is great. The joke's on everyone else who bought an expensive tent. Yeah, it didn't, doesn't work that way. I think we just found the name for the podcast, the Woolly Tent. The Woolly Tent podcast. <laughs> My left pod has just stopped working, which means to me we've been on this for far too long, and anybody who's listening is probably long gone. So, Adrian, would you care to wrap us up? 
by all means. Thank you for joining us on My Left Pod, because I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we go, we should uh, ask Chantal, where can everyone find out about you? Oh, I've got a website, which is ChantalMcGregor.com. I've got all the social medias. I've even got TikTok. Um, don't really know how to use it, but I've got it. Um, so, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, um, X, as it's now called, um, TikTok, YouTube, everywhere, basically. Cool, Pete? I've got uh, every, every, every festival. I tried to do tour last year, but I've got a gig in my own, the last one in Brighton, 19th Feb. Uh, if, it's, if this podcast has gone after that, it was a great gig. Thank you very much for coming, everybody. Uh, so it'll be really nice, right on the beach at Water Bear. That's good. Adrian? Well, it's, it's, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, and I have to say, if uh, if anybody wants to check out anything we've written about previously, please have a look at uh, myglobalmind.com, where you'll find all of our articles, reviews, um, all the footage, photographs, reviews from this um, on on uh, all the days last year as well. Um, yeah, check us out, get in touch, sign up, tell your friends. And I'm at medestonefestival.com. Um, and if you want to chat with me, I'm in the official supporters group on Facebook, Medestone official supporters group. And yeah, if you haven't got tickets, medestonefestival.com. Everyone should have tickets. You'd be a fool not to have tickets by now. Best show of the summer, guaranteed. You'd be a fool. The best show of the summer, the best show ever. <laughs> There'll be somebody on the weekend before going, oh, I was going to get tickets. I didn't get around to it. And now has anybody got one? There's always one, isn't there? Yeah, there'll be somebody saying, the Rolling Stones have got a new album out. Are they going to headline? We'll do an entire podcast on, on strange festival requests at some point, and <laughs> hopefully I will enlighten people how it's never going to get the Rolling Stones to the whole park <laughs> anytime soon. You heard it first, guys. Maiden Stone will never get the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Premier. <laughs> let me uh, let me just quickly wrap this up then. Um, I'd like to thank Pete and Chantal for uh, providing some top-notch entertainment for us this evening. Um, I'd like to thank our editor, videographer, sound engineer, and all-round good guy, Chris, for uh, just helping us pull all of this together. Um, for something that we never necessarily thought we'd managed to pull off, but here we go. The first one is in the bag, albeit edited down from the five-hour version that we recorded to what you're hearing today. And uh, but uh, yeah, so from from the four of us, I hope you've enjoyed it. And well, let's do it all again. <laughs>